The reading today will be taken from Micah, chapter 5, starting verse 2, and we'll wait to the first half of verse 5. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. Thanks so much, Nathaniel, for reading, and a very warm welcome to all of you, and particularly if you joined us at the start of the service. As we begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful Christmas hope contained in this passage. Please would you speak to us now as we look at it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What makes a good leader? What qualities do we look for? We started thinking a bit about this last week. Many books, blog posts and podcasts have been dedicated to this topic. And no doubt as those working in politics, we've all given it some thought. And yet, whatever your political leanings, the perfect leader still eludes us. It is often said that every prime ministerial career ends in failure. No matter what has been achieved, no matter how high the hopes at the start of a premiership, all leaders ultimately fail in the end. We're currently in the season of Advent, when we wait and prepare for Christmas. Waiting is something we all have to do in life. We might even now be waiting for the leader we dream of, either for them to deliver on their promises, for them to be elected, or something else. But no earthly leader will ever truly deliver. And yet the hope in the Bible and the hope we remember at Christmas is that God does not leave us in our mess, but sends us the perfect leader in Jesus Christ. We saw this last week when Claire spoke on Isaiah 9, and we will see it again this week in the second prophecy about Jesus' birth, which we're looking at today, a passage probably familiar to us from carol services, Micah chapter 5. Over the next few minutes, we'll look at how Jesus is the perfect ruler we all need. And that's our first point this lunchtime. We all need a perfect ruler. To give some context to these verses, the prophet Micah was around in the 8th century BC, 700 years before Jesus was born. This was a time when Israel had split in two, and Micah was based in the southern kingdom of Judah, in a similar time and place to Isaiah. The book of Micah is at times a difficult read. It contains some hard-hitting prophecies about God's judgment of his people because of their sin. And in particular, Israel had been let down by their leaders, both political and religious, who were corrupt and unjust. The political leaders had become wealthy through theft and greed, 
And the religious leaders were accepting bribes to say that this was all okay and there wouldn't be any consequences. But because of all this, Michael warns, a crisis is coming. When the capital Jerusalem will be destroyed and the people will be taken off into exile. We see an echo of this in verse 3 of our passage. Israel will be abandoned for a time. They desperately needed a ruler who would lead them well. Now that was Micah's time, but a lot of the criticism God levelled at Israel's leaders through Micah could be said today. Whatever our politics, we all have to admit that no politician, no government is perfect. All human leaders and human institutions are inherently flawed. All have been warped by human sin when we fail to serve God and instead serve ourselves. All human leaders, no matter how good or how much we like them, ultimately fail in the end to live up to their promises and their calling to serve their people. We need help. We need a ruler who will not let us down, but who will save us. However, the book of Micah is not all gloom. Throughout, there are these amazing rays of hope. And it is into this context that we get our passage promising the ruler that we need. God's Messiah, God's anointed ruler, who would bring about a new kingdom and a new age. At the start of verse 2, we get this important word, but. Things might look hopeless, but change is coming. But where will this perfect ruler come from? Our second point is this. The perfect ruler has unexpected origins. In recent years, there has been a spate of films giving the origins of various superheroes, or even villains, if we think back to 2019's Joker. We seem to have a fascination with where people come from. And often the stories we enjoy the most are when we see a hero come from an unlikely place. Micah tells us that God's perfect ruler would be born in Bethlehem. Now, we are all so used to the idea that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but this probably wouldn't strike us as particularly surprising. After all, we've sung about it in carols, we've seen it in countless nativity plays, we've seen the pictures on the front of many a Christmas card. But look how Micah describes Bethlehem in verse 2. But ye, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah. Bethlehem is a very unusual place for a great ruler to come from. It's described as small. And its smallness was not about its size, but rather about its quality. It was so insignificant. When Judah was divided up by Joshua after the Israelites entered the Promised Land, 115 towns and cities were named, but Bethlehem doesn't even get a mention. Now, I won't try and make a comparison in the UK, I'll just end up offending someone, but this is not like saying a great ruler will be born in London or Birmingham or Edinburgh, but rather some backwater somewhere no one much has heard of. If you are in ancient Israel, you'd expect a great ruler to be born in the capital, Jerusalem, or at the very least, 
in any of the other large towns or cities in Judah. You certainly would not expect them to be born in Bethlehem. And you'd expect a king to be born in a palace. After all, in the Christmas story, Matthew records that when the wise men go to look for the one to be born king of the Jews, they first go to Herod's palace in Jerusalem. That is where they think a king should be born. But God has a habit of turning up in unexpected places, of using the small and seemingly insignificant and weak for his purposes. He had done it before, and he would do it again. The Bible is littered with examples of God using the smaller, the younger, the insignificant, over the bigger, older, more impressive. And most significantly for us, Israel's greatest king, David, came from very humble origins. He was the youngest of eight sons, a lowly shepherd boy. When the prophet Samuel came to anoint him as king, he was out in the fields because his father Jesse couldn't imagine that a prophet would want anything to do with his youngest son. And where was David born? Bethlehem. But despite this lowly origin, God raised him up, and Micah prophesied that history would repeat itself. Coming from Bethlehem, God's prophesied ruler would be in the royal line of David, or as Micah puts it in verse 2, his origins are from of old. But he would be greater than David. As the verse continues, his origins are from ancient times. A phrase bringing to mind the eternal, going back as far as the creation of the universe itself. In other words, this new ruler would be God himself. This would all be fulfilled 700 years later, when a baby was born into poverty the son of a very ordinary woman. This baby would be born in a very unlikely place, in a very unlikely manner, having to be placed in an animal's feeding trough because there was nowhere else for him to go. And yet, from such a humble scene comes the perfect ruler, Jesus Christ, God himself. He is not to be found in the grand, flashy places, but in the small and seemingly insignificant. I wonder, where do you expect to encounter God? Just in churches, in cathedrals, in beautiful chapels like this one? Or is he actually waiting to meet us in unusual places? Do you think that God is so high and mighty that he couldn't possibly want anything to do with you? Or do you think that you are too insignificant to be used by God? The wonderful news of Christmas, which Micah prophesies here, is that God stepped down into poverty and insignificance so that we could come to know him. He is not interested in the things which our society and culture deem to be important, but instead meets us where we are. Jesus' origins were both lowly and royal, he had such a seemingly insignificant birth, but it was oh so important. But what sort of reader would he be? Our third and final point is, he really is the perfect ruler. Let's have a look at how Micah describes his perfect ruler in verses 4 and 5a. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. 
in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. There's a lot contained in this verse and a half, so we're just going to have to go through some of the highlights. Most significantly, Micah shows that this perfect ruler will be a shepherd king, one who will care for his flock. I wonder, when thinking of the ideal model for a ruler, would you think of a shepherd? Now, we're not talking about the tea towel-wearing hinds we get in nativity plays, but even so, this might seem like an odd choice of image. Shepherds are not exactly renowned for their kingly qualities. However, this was the model for Israel's rulers, and they had all spectacularly failed in showing the love and devotion required for the role. A shepherd cares for their flock, ensuring that they are provided for, safe from danger, and able to flourish. And indeed, Micah goes on to show that this perfect ruler will bring safety and security. His people will live securely. A shepherd is also not inherently self-serving. Instead, the needs of the flock are put ahead of his own. And this perfect ruler does not act in his own strength but in the strength and majesty of God. Micah is making the point that this perfect ruler is not ruling for himself or for his own interests, but instead for God. It is significant that David had been a shepherd boy before he was king. It was this that had prepared him for the role and which probably made him the greatest king Israel had had. But this perfect ruler God promised through Micah would be greater than David. David was only king of Israel, but Micah tells us that this ruler's greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. God's kingdom was always meant to be global, for all peoples, tribes and tongues. All are welcome, and there will be no part of the world that does not fall under his rule. And then we get the crowning jewel of all this at the start of verse 5. He will be our peace. Let that sink in for a moment. Peace. This is the Hebrew word shalom, a word that doesn't just speak of the absence of war, but of well-being, of life in all its fullness. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. Jesus can offer us this peace. As we saw last week in Isaiah chapter 9, he is the Prince of Peace. Life can often feel very full on, but Jesus offers us peace from the stresses and anxieties and pressures of life. Peace from the times when we don't feel on top of everything, when we don't feel good enough, when everything seems to be going wrong. The perfect ruler brings the perfect peace. At Christmas, Jesus entered the world as this perfect ruler, the one bringing peace, strength and stability, the one who could draw us back to God. God himself stepped down into the mess and brokenness of our lives to save us and to give us hope for when he comes again to finally fulfil his kingdom and rule. And he is the true shepherd king, who truly shepherds his flock. Returning to John chapter 10, 
A couple of verses later, John records Jesus saying this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the one who is the perfect ruler because he made the ultimate act of self-sacrifice, laying down his life for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven and brought back into relationship with God, so that sin and death and evil could be defeated. And he invites us to be part of his kingdom and to let him be our true ruler. As we draw to a close, regardless of what you think of our current government and prime minister, we all know that we need a perfect ruler, a perfect king. In Jesus, we have that perfect ruler, the one who we need, the one who came from an unexpected and humble place, but who is Lord of all. The one who is the ultimate shepherd king, offering peace, strength and stability, and who ultimately laid down his life for us. This Christmas, let me encourage you to turn to this ruler and trust him, whether that is for the first time or the thousandth time. Look to that baby laid in the manger, born in poverty in insignificant Bethlehem, but with the greatest significance you could possibly imagine. Let's pray to finish. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus we have a perfect ruler who not only offers us peace, strength and stability, but who laid down his life for us. Thank you that you came as a baby at that first Christmas so that we could know you and so that you could save us. Please help us to put our trust in you as the perfect ruler we all need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.